Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Brad Hoos, CEO of the Outloud Group. And we're going to be discussing how to strategically approach influencer marketing. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here with you today. We were just talking about origin stories, and I want to know your kind of origin stories in influencer marketing. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a winding uh, road that got me into influencer marketing. It's it's funny because I actually have two degrees in engineering. So I worked as an environmental engineer for for many years, and then decided to go back to to business school. Um, and so in business school, there's tons of fantastic resources around helping sort of folks who are more entrepreneurial, of which I use precisely zero. And and then decided to go into management consulting. So I was a strategy consultant for for a number of years. And, and sort of by dumb luck, got a chance to work on building new businesses inside of existing companies. So I got a chance to build out a new ERP or basically the software that enterprise resource planning, uh, basically the software that runs businesses for, for Caterpillar dealers, um, as, as part of Accenture. And then I got a chance to build out a new healthcare line of business for USAA. And I thought, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm not terrible at this. And, and, and I do really enjoy being able to start things from, from scratch. So why don't I kind of get more into the entrepreneurial world? Mm. And so um, through some connections, I, I wound up connecting with a, with a venture capital firm in, in Detroit, Michigan, moved back to, to Michigan, my, my home state. And at that point, launched a coding bootcamp school, which uh, actually was just, just sold a couple of months ago. Um, and so I was, I was involved in that for, for, for a few years and then was still an owner, but, but not involved operationally and, you know, got a chance to get connected with, uh, what's now my business partner, Joel Beckett. And, and Joel had been working on this influencer thing as a, as a one man band for, for a while. And it was super interesting. And, and he would say I was consulting with him. I would say, Hey, I was just grabbing breakfast with someone regularly uh, about something that was super interesting. And, uh, we, we wound up joining forces, you know, together back in 2014. And, uh, and, and now here we are today running an influencer agency, uh, with about 70 people and, and working with for, for a lot of well known brands. So it's been, it's been quite the journey from engineer to influencer marketing, uh, you know, uh, uh, expert, I suppose. Throughout that journey that you were just talking about, were you 
aware of influencer marketing? Do you remember what your thoughts were about influencer marketing? It was loosely on my radar, but it was definitely not something that I had a passion for or a deep domain knowledge about at all. Um, and, and over the years, I've, I've come to learn about myself that my passion is really building and growing businesses as opposed to a particular vertical. I know, you know, there's cer- certain guests and certain folks who are very passionate about an individual vertical. And, and for me, the, the passion is sort of like the, the journey of the, the build. So, you know, my first thought with influencer marketing is, wow, this is, this is really novel and it's kind of hurts my brain to think about these quote unquote celebrities at, at the time, mm-hmm. right. To, to think about them differently and to think about like, consuming content so much differently than I'd been trained to as sort of a, a classic mm-hmm. Gen Xer uh, in terms of like, you know, the ESPN or the sports center anchors to now having someone that's more on demand content. And they're the, the expert that, that kind of hurt my brain a little bit. And I really liked that. It was hard to wrap my brain around it at the beginning. And I assume that now you're a full believer in influencer marketing now many years in the, in the field. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, it's, it, it when, when done right, it is the truest form of, of marketing that's out there because I ultimately believe influencer marketing is word of mouth marketing at scale. Yeah. I was thinking just before I sat down with you, I was thinking about influencer marketing and my experience with it. I started to think, what are my earliest memories with influencer marketing? And it took me a while to think, but I think around the age of maybe maybe seven, eight, as I got more into sports, I'm really into soccer, football. And so it was actually people like David Beckham at the time. And they had like celebrity endorsement of uh, football boots in the UK. And it was that, that was my first memory of being exposed to someone like an influential figure who had this product and I just really wanted it. And I didn't know why. And you know, that's really young to feel that way. Do you have an earliest memory looking back that you think, Oh yeah, that was when I was first exposed. That's when I really felt the impact of influencer marketing. You know, it's it's pretty funny because uh, I, I I I do remember doing that in general. Um, so I was a big you know I was a big sports guy as as well, and so I was a, I was a hockey player growing up, and and I specifically remember seeing the you know, the NHL team that, that I followed and, and still like today, the Detroit Red Wings yeah. and, and seeing the the brand of hockey sticks that those <laughs> players were were using, and it was just abundantly clear that that's what i needed to use uh to to be able to to, to play hockey so it's it, it it definitely works and you know I've, I've evolved a little bit in my in my thinking we can get into this of well what is the difference between an influencer and, and a celebrity because because i think there is an important distinction with with that and and probably not as important when you're dealing with you know youth um, but but as adults, I think that's a, a, an interesting d- distinction. But yeah, I, I definitely to this day continue to see myself impacted uh, you know, by, by influencer marketing, which I think is a good and, and healthy thing. I love that for a podcast idea as well, by the way, going into people's first experiences of influencer marketing and figuring out like who are they influenced by? What products did they just need in their life? Because when you're younger as well, you don't really... You don't have that critical thinking. You don't know why you need something. You just need it because the the celebrity or the influencer has exposed you to it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny. There's a there's a, a podcaster and a YouTuber by the name of Brady Heron, um, who's who's based in the in the UK, and uh, him and his partner Tim, who's in Australia, they do a wonderful podcast called Unmade, and yeah. its entirety of the podcast is about podcast ideas. 
that have never been made, right? And so that's that, that would definitely plug in really, really nicely to uh, to, to Brady and Tim's show. <laughs> that's funny. I might have to reach out for them. I'll send this, this, this. I'll send them this snippet from this podcast. That'll be fun. And your day to day role in the company at the moment. Talk us through a little bit about what you do, who you're involved with, and particularly as we set this up and start to talk about you know, which businesses are, should be focused on influencer marketing and how to strategically approach it. And those that maybe shouldn't, I'd like to know a little bit about your current experience. In what capacity do you work with your clients? Sure. So, you know, as, as CEO, um, my, my number one job is to, to get out of the way of my, my amazing team who's, who's doing great things and, and working so well with our clients. And, and, um, I think part of, of doing that is setting the culture for our organization. So, um, we're, we're definitely a, a culture driven organization. Um, we're, we're not going to be leaders in the technology space. Um, we, we invest quite a bit in technology and I, I feel like we're, we do quite well with that, but our differentiation is, is really ultimately our, our people and our strategic leadership. And then having been around for 15 years, you know, our, our data is, is really unprecedented in the industry. So you, people talk about like selecting influencers by, by data, you know, I, I sort of flag, well, there's BS metrics, you know, like shares, comments, and then there's real data which we have from working with, with so many brands in terms of how is, how is this creator X done in terms of driving traffic to a brand's website and driving conversions. And that's data that we have access to and our team does. Of course, we can't share it, but we're always leveraging that in, in what we do. And, and, and in terms of my role with, with clients, um, I, I really view my, my role as being able to, to jump in and, and ask the right questions to really understand what a marketer is trying to do. So, you know, influencer marketing is, is a unique marketing field in that it is truly a full funnel, um, initiative, right? So awareness, consideration, conversion, all of those things are a huge part of influencer marketing. And sure, we were, we work on direct response campaigns. We work on pure branding campaigns, but how can, how can I work with our clients to really understand what are they trying to accomplish? Because if they're trying to drive more subscribers here over the course of the, the next few months versus trying to change the perception of, of a brand, I mean, the, the recommendation approach would be fundamentally different. And so I think as, as someone who, who's keen on strategy, I think the influencer world, you know, su- suits very well because there's so many different aspects of, of, of influencer marketing these days. It sounds like you ask a lot of questions and you're very curious. So even though I'm the one asking questions today, in your day-to-day role, you ask a lot of questions. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. And and, and I like to ideate too. I, we, yeah. we, we've transitioned like so many companies from being in person to being a fully remote organization. So the, the, the one thing that I miss with that the, the most, besides, of course, you know, the, the in-person interactions is just being able to truly whiteboard. I mean, there's a ton of great tech solutions, but ultimately there's, there's nothing uh, that that's a substitute for being able to be together with someone in front of a big whiteboard from my perspective. We found the exact same challenge in our agency, actually. That's the one aspect. The The whiteboarding software solutions are good. And I think in our agency, maybe Mural has won most people over. I think that's the whiteboard solution most people like using. But it's just not the same. It doesn't feel quite the same. And we haven't been able to really fully overcome that yet. So I feel your pain and challenge on that one. Yeah, absolutely. We, we tend to um, be a Google shop. And so we use like the Google Jamboard quite, okay. quite a bit because it's so innate to you know a, a meeting if you have it in google hangouts already but it's it's not the same <laughs> it's just not the same do you find that you're because you work in a field where 
I guess you're exposed to and discussing the topic of influence so much. You're in a leadership position. So does that make you extra conscious of your influence on your team, the things you say, the weight that you hold? That's an interesting question. Um, I would say it probably should. <laughs> um, and, and, and I don't know that it, that it does. Um, you know, I, I think leading people is, is, um, is, is an incredible privilege to get a chance to, to do. Um, and, and it's something that I take very, very seriously, um, in terms of how I, I go about things. And I'm, I'm probably one of those, those people who's, you know, the, I'm always going to be most critical of myself. And so, I recognize, you know, uh, that, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interacting and, and leading with my team, but, but I'm fortunate that I don't have the role as a quote unquote influencer where there's hundreds of thousands or millions of people. And I get a chance to see their immediate reaction or the views or lack thereof and the comments and the engagements. Cause I think that would be quite consuming. And, and this is maybe, you know, leading us down a different path, but I know that's one of the reasons that, you know, it, from a mental health perspective, being a creator can be a very challenging, you know, c- career because it is also public. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, uh, it's, it's not quite as public for that. I think that's a, a very different skill set than, uh, than, than leading a, a, a team, um, such as what we have here at the Out Loud Group. Yeah, that's fascinating. The weight of influence in public. Um, is very different from the weight of influence behind closed doors in private. I was really thinking about it from the from your team's angle because I'd imagine they're hyper alert or in tune with the power of influence. And so I wondered whether or not that cha- you talked a lot about culture at the beginning and how you're responsible for kind of setting and monitoring the culture of a team and how that unfolds. And I just wondered how the dynamics of influence really played out in a team like that if everyone was conscious of it it's just really interesting to ponder i think no i i i definitely agree with that and i think you know we we work in a world where we're we're helping to make sure we're solving problems in a way that's right for many stakeholders Mm. so um you have the brand you have creators and ultimately we're a business that needs to be sustainable as as well Mm -hmm. and so i think that that's helpful in that we try to make sure everything that we're doing is, is done with sincerity where we're upfront and aware of our, our, our motives. And we need to make sure that's communicated out to all of our partners as, as well. And so I think, you know, recognizing the importance of that has, has allowed us to be you know successful with our, our brand and, and our creator partners. And, and so I think being thoughtful in general, in terms of, you know, emotional maturity is something that is very important. And I think it's something that really, really matters as well when you are going out and engaging with, with thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of, of people. I think the, the principles really apply, but you know, the, the different ways to apply them certainly evolve quite a bit from, from once, you know, from the audience of a company versus an audience of, you know, on, online followers. Hmm. That is, that is interesting though. The, as you just discussed, the principles there are still fundamentally exactly the same between what you're doing in your company and setting cultural tones and standards and expectations versus what an influencer does and how they manage themselves and their brand and their businesses. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is, I think really important. And that's why, you know, for, for us and, and I've actually believe in, in life in general, it's like you're one person and you have one life and, you know, it's, it's not really possible to separate work from, from life. And there's a certain set of principles that are going to, to guide you in, in, in your behaviors. Um, and, and certainly we want to, 
we want to treat our team members right first. And if, if that's done, then that's going to make it you know, significantly easier through muscle memory and habit and awareness to, to make sure we're treating, you know, all of our external partners with, with the right, uh, with the right level of, of care as, as, as well. But, you know, it, it starts with just doing, I mean, it sounds very cheesy and maybe even trite, but, you know, just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I hear you on that point about separating personal and work life and your your values and your expectations related to those. So thanks for sharing that. You talked about the that you're involved in asking questions of businesses. And I'd want to know, where do you start with that? So what are some of the questions you ask or the common scenarios where you know influencer marketing just makes sense for a business? Maybe there are commonalities between industries, market sophistication, products or service types when does influencer marketing make most sense yeah i think uh, i typically like to answer that in two different ways mm-hmm. so so number one is when you want to stop just selling product and you, when you want to start building a brand that's really the time to to do influencer marketing and and maybe said slightly different is once you've sort of maxed out all of the low hanging fruit that that's out there so once you've optimized your 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 search you know seo and, and sem and once you've optimized your uh, paid ads um that particularly your paid social ads and and they've those things have sort of plateaued that's really the the opportunity to be able to go to work in influencer marketing to help take your business to to that next level and that usually corresponds with the moment where someone's also trying to to build a, a brand as opposed to to just sell product and that's where influencer can be most effective and 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 certainly from a high level influencer marketing works works better in a d2c i should say a, a, a b2c environment as opposed to b2b um a lot of a lot of letters there but you know something that's more mass market works really well for influencer something that's not commoditized where where there's true differentiation and, and frankly something where there's a story to tell because you know there's there's something power about powerful about hitting that subscribe button and when um influencers are able to tell the story of a, of a brand um in, in a way that that matters uh that that's something that audiences really really grab a hold of influencer marketing can be maybe more successful or there's more opportunity for success if a business has some existing marketing sophistication with other channels is that fair that's correct yes in fact there's been plenty of times where we've we've talked with brands and said hey we don't think you're really ready to invest in in influencer marketing but but you know optimize the the low-hanging fruit first I'm interested in some of the reasons as to why that is. The first thing that comes to mind is I imagine that you've actually talked about story there. So when you choose to work with influencers or when the right time is to work with influencers, you want to have a story that they can convey. But I guess that companies that don't have marketing experience up until that point won't have a story to tell. So it's harder to execute influencer marketing. Is that fair? I think that's right. I do think the story is important. Yeah. I also think, you know, there's, there's just an efficiency perspective. I mean, when you're a new brand and a new business, I mean, you, you need customers, you need sales. Right. And, you know, in, in terms of being able to drive incremental 
you know, customers and, and sales influencer can work very, very well, but there, there's just some basic things that you need to make sure are, are in place first. And, and that's kind of where, you know, you look at SEO, SEM and, and you look at your, your paid ads. I mean, from, from my perspective, that's really the place to, to start. They all also work very much hand in hand with one another, of course, as do all different marketing tactics. Um, but we, we, when we're working with brands, hey, we, we want them to be, we want them to be successful first and first and foremost. And so, you know, we, if if the timing isn't right, then the timing isn't right to to run an influencer campaign. Is it important to have a dedicated influencer marketing or collaborations manager at some point to to drive this? I would say I would say to have at least a couple of people on the marketing team is probably yeah. a good proxy in general for when to run when to run influencer. But but I don't think you actually need to have a dedicated influencer um, individual on a, on a team. I mean, certainly this, we get into a strategic choice for for a brand in terms of well, how do you want to execute influencer marketing um, and through you know an agency partner you know such such as the Outloud Group, right? Um, in, in that case, we tend to work with folks who are, are probably across three or four different, you know, primary marketing channels for, for an organization. And, and that can be quite effective. So it, it really depends if, if you want to try to run it yourself in, inside of an organization and that's trying to be done at scale, then absolutely. In, in, in that scenario, you need to be able to have someone. So there's the what, and then also the sort of the, the how those two start to converge quite a bit there in terms of when, when you're ready to run an influencer campaign. And I've seen your kind of list of clients or brands that you've worked with and it really is a who's who of the biggest companies in the US from what I've seen and maybe internationally. And when we break that down by industry, are there any industries that you know influencer marketing is almost, I know we can never say for sure, but almost a no-brainer. So that you highly recommend because you've seen it seen it be successful in other companies. Yeah, I, I think you know the the D to C space is certainly something that's that's very you know very appealing um, when 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 brands are selling in that, and then also when it's when there's recurring revenue that's involved, and, and generally that's as a subscription, right? I think those are sort of the low hanging fruit opportunities. So you know, there's a lot of telehealth or telemedicine you know brands now where you're, you're trying to acquire a customer and. Um, you know, use them for, you know, hair loss, uh, or whatever the case may, may be. Um, once you acquire that customer, there's re- recurring revenue. Um, you know, brands like home security brand, like Simply Safe, um, would be, would be another great example of, of that. So yeah, I, I think in, in influencer, if there's recurring revenue and you're a D2C model, it's, it's a no brainer, um, to be, to be working in the influencer world. And, and certainly there's a lot of other, um, areas as well. You know, generally it's consumer facing brands that have a different product sort of like we were saying uh, b- before and um, it, it can be a niche product um, and, and it can be you know a mass market product I think both can be you know, very successful in the influencer space are there any markets that you know to be particularly saturated where a few years ago it would have been a lot easier to get results in influencer marketing and now it's more difficult because there's just much more competition one of the reasons i ask that for a bit of context is the name of athletic green stood out to me so much because I've seen athletic greens everywhere and particularly in the influencer marketing. And funnily enough, I don't know if you consider this influencer marketing, but in the podcast marketing space, just curious for your response on that. Any markets that markets that are particularly saturated? Yeah. Yeah. What what I would say is um, that it gets very individualized very quickly. One of the markets that I think is pretty saturated now is the VPN world Uh, where I, I think, you know, people are a little bit 
tired of, of the idea of, uh, you know, trying to choose between, you know, express versus nerd versus Nord versus surf shark versus private internet yeah. access. Like there's just so many VPNs and they've been, been hit quite hard with, with influencers. So that's one area that I do think is, uh, is, is a bit saturated for, for sure. And, and then there's other pockets which get really interesting, right? Where you kind of have this, um, land grab. So here in the, in the U S um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've, we're continuing to open up uh, sports gambling. And so some of the oh, big yeah. players like, you know, DraftKings versus FanDuel, um, you know, they've really, really gone hard. And, and it's interesting now you can, you know, they're publicly traded organizations. So you, you can actually see they're, they're rolling in back their marketing dollars now. And where there's particular states that are opening up, like Ohio and the United States just opened up in January sports gambling. That's, that's a big deal for the, for those businesses. But they, there's, there's sort of been, and w- winners that have have shook out a, a bit and i think you know back in the day there was you know big battles for the meal kit delivery this even preceded mm-hmm. covid with the hello fresh versus the, the blue apron and i think over time we've we've seen some some winners uh, emerge um but 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 that one is not quite as saturated but i just share that to say you know when when we've seen sort of these land grabs where organizations say oh the lifetime value is going to be huge a lot of times they'll, they'll pump so much into it that after a period of time, generally a couple of years, some of the returns aren't, aren't quite as strong, mm-hmm. um, just, just given, given how the industry is shaken out. Are you of the opinion that any business in any industry can apply influencer marketing, or do you just think there are some examples of products or services that just don't work? No matter how many times you've seen them tried, influencer marketing just doesn't help to sell or market the product. Yeah, it, it's not for everyone. I, I think, especially in more commoditized you know, in, industries, you know, think of like oil and oil and gas and, and so yep. forth. Um, although we've we, we've done some work with with Shell in the past, where they've they've talked about you know some of the things that they're doing to try to you know help support the environment um, and, and some yep. of their in, investments with the you know, venture capital arm. That, that's that's pretty interesting. But yep. I think in, in general, um, you know. B2B businesses that, that tend to be a little bit more commoditized. I guess no one wants to believe their business is commoditized, right? But sort of the more traditionally viewed, um, B2B businesses are, are, are probably not the, the best fit for, for influencer. Um, and there, there's not a one size fits all, fits all for, for anything, but, but it is interesting. I mean, you mentioned podcast and you had that sort of the question, is that influencer or not? Mm-hmm. And, and I would say, well, it depends on what you're doing in podcasts. So there's dynamically inserted ads which are ultimately just ads yeah. right i could record a 30 second spot now and then push it out to to, to hundreds of millions of, of, of listeners but what i couldn't do right now is do host red ads where the host of the podcast are personally advocating for for the product um and having it baked into their podcast so mm-hmm. those are fundamentally different pieces and i would i would argue the latter is is clearly influencer and the, and the former is 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 not and so yeah. you know i B2B businesses tend to do well on, on podcasts in, in general. Um, it tends to be more sort of top of the intelligence folks, the uh, higher household income. And, and there's, there's some elements that can be really attractive for B2B sots in, inside a podcast. So, you know, influencer isn't for everybody, but, you know, especially with the evolution of, of how content is rolled out and how we consume content, I think for, for the majority of brands, um, there, there's certainly a role in the marketing mix for influencer marketing. Are there any examples of companies that have approached you 
that maybe there's just not a direct competitor in that space. So maybe they're new to market, they're a new product, a new service. And so you're approaching the topic of influencer marketing for the first time. Yeah, that, that, that absolutely has happened. I think one of the, one of the industries that's, that's newer is sort of the uh, fresh uh, pet food market. And, right. and that's something that's, that's quite, quite interesting. And it's, it's quite mass market now. And um, there's, there's lots of people getting into the space because I think it's a, an area where there's, there's value to be created. And, and, and for, for those situations, it really is leaning into the storytelling. And I think that's one of the things that creators do, do so incredibly well is that they can, they can tell a story to their audience. And they also can be great sort of beta testers for a brand because it's one thing to understand something so that you as an individual get it. And it's another to understand it well enough to teach it to someone else. And creators sort of by definition, when they're working with brands, they have to understand the, the brand's value proposition well enough to share it with their audience. And so that can be really, really powerful for brands that are, that are new to market. Um, because now you're getting this, this group that's fundamentally understanding something differently than any of your other brand messaging that you're, you're trying to put it out because they need to explain it to their audience. And so we've seen huge power and pretty significant shifts, even in terms of how a brand is positioning themselves through an influencer campaign. And, and that's not something you would see for, you know, a, a product or a brand that's, that's well known and, and established, but it, but it works tremendously well for these new brands who are, you know, um, ice breaking, I, I like to say, um, with, with a new product in market. That's really interesting what you just said there about a product that's maybe new to market. Um, would you then give, like, if you're working with an influencer, would you then give them perhaps more creative control? Because you want to see what they can create from the story information that you've given. And it's all fresh and it's all new. So you can just allow a little bit more room for that creative freedom. Is that fair? Yeah, ab absolutely. And to be honest with you, Scott, one of the biggest value adds we have in the agency is to try to help a brand not pursue their initial instincts, um, <laughs> which is to try to a lot to try to force a, a creator to use the brand voice of the brand as opposed to be a brand advocate. So there's an important distinction there, right? Brand advocacy versus brand voice. And so when a creator is allowed to truly be an advocate, they can speak in the pentameter that they want. They can use the words, the colors, the, the, uh, the uh, creative treatments that they desire as opposed to what the brand has found over, you know, however many years that, that works best for them. But there's a fundamental difference there, you know, between a third party advocate and, and, and brand voice. So you, you hit the nail on the head in that we always want to try to give creators as much creative freedom as possible, but it's even more important, you know, early on for, for a brand to, to be able to, to do that with, with creators. And you talked very early on about measures of success. And I could tell that you were really passionate about that part of this conversation. So, you know, you've made the decision as a company to strategically focus on influencer marketing. Perhaps you've asked some of those questions and you've discussed some of those topics you've already discussed here today about the market awareness and where your product fits in the market and how much creative control you're going to relinquish. But then... What measures of success? How do you actually measure influencer marketing? And maybe what do you avoid measuring? I think very early on, you talked about BS metrics to avoid. So let's start there. What metrics should people avoid? Yeah, I think one of the things that when, when you're trying to select a creator, 
don't worry. Certainly don't worry about how many followers they have. Um, that's, that's a pure vanity metric. We want to look at how many eyeballs are actually looking at the content. So that's, that's the first thing. And, and the second thing is, you know, it depends on, on what good looks like for a brand. So that's one of the questions we always want to ask. So if, if you're truly, you're just looking for, for pure play awareness, then certainly looking at the views for, uh, for a piece of content does, does matter for, for brands that are looking at things more holistically full funnel, like we recommend their awareness, consideration and conversion. Then in that case, you know, we, we, we don't really look at, at, at the views a whole lot. We look at how is it, how is that creator done in the past with other brands that are targeting similar demographics in terms of directing folks to, to the site and, 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 and driving conversion. And so we, when, when selecting creators, we were very data driven in terms of that uh, approach. And those are numbers that aren't publicly available. You're not going to be able to get them from any API that's, that's out there, but that's something that we really, really look at. And then in terms of measuring the success of the campaign, again, uh, not to be a broken record, but Hey, what does good look like? Let's align upfront on what, what our you know, key metrics are for that campaign. And then we, we always work to quantify, Hey, here's the, here's the, the dollar value associated with awareness, consideration and, and conversion. And so we're looking at the quality of traffic that we're directing to a site in terms of the time that's spent on site and the number of pages that, that are visited, right. And the efficiency of that. So what's the cost per session that we're ultimately delivering? on the site. And then certainly from a conversion perspective, I think that's a little bit more straightforward, but also we want to look at the lifetime value of that customer because we've seen repeatedly that for recurring revenue businesses, influencer, they tend to uh, stay longer with the brand. So in turn, they have a higher lifetime value for, for that brand over time. So we want to be able to track that over, over time. So I think those are the key things to, to, to measure. Um, and then in terms of how to measure that gets a little bit more complicated because there's certainly a lot of folks who will click on links, um, or do swipe ups associated with influencer content, but there's a lot of people who don't. And so knowing and understanding how to be able to, to measure that and, and track that when, you know, you, you see a, an ad for a home security company, you know, on Monday and Friday night, you wake up in the middle of the night and, because you hear a noise and you get freaked out. And then that Saturday, you go directly to simplysafe.com because you, you, you'd seen that ad on, on, on Monday through an influencer. So how, how do you attribute that? And, and so we've, we've done a lot of work to, to make sure we're attributing things in, in the right way associated with an influencer campaign. So, you know, it, it always starts with what do you want to accomplish? And then making sure you're, you're very clear about uh, what the, what the metrics of success are. And then of course the, the execution of that. Um, and that can be a little bit trickier. And I think there's a number of brands who can get tripped up in, in sort of the, the how piece in, in terms of measurement these days. And do you have your own in-house reporting solutions or are there tools that you recommend to our listeners, things that they can use to help measure their influence marketing? You know, we're, we're lucky we've got a great analytics team and, and they've developed so much proprietarily. Um, and we, we just leverage Google Data Studio. Yeah. Um, we, we find that our, 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 our clients really appreciate being able to sort of have things work with, within their existing workflow. And so, you know, Google data studio is great for that because you can sort of click around and see things and export it and put it into sheets. And so that, that's, that's what we've found works best, um, for, for, for us and our, and our clients. And we get the question in our agency, uh, about how long it takes before we see 
X to work. So sometimes it's SEO, sometimes it's paid media, sometimes it's more general marketing. How long does it take for your marketing right. to work? I assume that you'll pose with the question, how long will influencer marketing take to work or something to that effect? Do you get that question? And if yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you yes. answer that? So we, we, we typically try to run a, a test campaign for brands over the course of a month. Because okay. of course, you know, this is where um, influencers different because you, you're not just going to programmatically buy something. When you're working with a creator, it has to work with their schedule and they have other, um, they have other obligations, other sponsors that they, they might be working with. And so we'll run our campaigns over a period of a month, right? So whether it's, you know, the 15th to the 15th or first to the first doesn't really matter. Um, and, and we're going to see results once the, once the creators have, have gone, you know, live over the first couple of weeks, we're, we're going to get some signal. Certainly, um, one of the, the benefits of, of influencer content that is evergreen. So for instance, a YouTube video, it's posted. It has a link to the brand's website. It's going to be up for, for all practical purposes forever. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get people who are clicking the link in the video predominantly when the video is launched. But, you know, for topics that are more evergreen, like science type topics, people are going to continue to look at the, those, those videos over months and years, and you're going to continue to see traffic and, and sales associated with that. So, so that's one of the beauties of, of influencer campaigns. You have this long tail where in a quote unquote, you're not paying for it. Like you're paying for it, but you just paid for it nine months ago. But when you're looking at this month's results, you're getting, you know, again, quote unquote, free, free conversions. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. So we, we, we definitely, you know, we'll feel good about, uh, the, the results in a month, but you'll start to see some signal even, even before that. Um, once the, once the creators go live. One final question for you. I'm curious because you spend a lot of time in this space and you've been in this field for a while now. If our listeners wanted to research any brands, they could be brands you've worked with or brands that you just admire that consistently execute influencer marketing in the way that you think um, follows best practice. They've consistently done it well over time. Who are those brands? Yeah, good good question. I mean, I think there's so many different parts of influencer marketing, right? So mm-hmm. we, we mentioned podcasts, we mentioned YouTube, we didn't really talk about Instagram or, no. or TikTok. And what even is Instagram, right? You've got stories and you've got reels and you've got static posts and you've got videos in those static posts and you've got carousels of, of, of photos and and you've got paid versus organic for the creator. So there, there's such a variety of things. So I, I guess I'll, I'll pick maybe a, a couple of brands that I think are doing things really, really well. So, so first, you know, something else we didn't talk about is, is in the gaming world, right? So the esports yeah. and, and gaming, I think Grubhub's done a really fantastic job of sort of being part of, of huge events, but also being, um, being involved in sort of the creator's world, um, particularly when it comes to uh, League of Legends, League Championship Series, or LCS. So Grubhub's a, a U.S. brand, um, sort of by de- definition, part of Just Eat Takeaway, um, right. more, more more broadly. So I think that's something that's that's done done well. I think Simply Safe has done a great job in the in the YouTube world, you know, over over a long period of time. And I think Fiverr is a, a a group that's done a lot of more creative, interesting things um across platforms you know working with nfl players and and and, uh, ncaa athletes sort of the the quote-unquote old guys getting a chance to teach the young guys how to how to build the brand and and how how to do their do their thing i think um working with you know creators uh that are part of the lgbt uh q community 
to, um, you know, to, to help teach children and educate, you know, children about what's, what's going on. So they've, they've taken sort of a really interesting approach of being very thoughtful in the influencers they've, they've worked with and develop uh, a, a lot around that and, and putting, putting dollars behind, um, you know, making sure there's, there's eyeballs on that content. So those are the few of the folks that have done, done things well. I think, you know, certainly, um, you know, I, I'd say both DraftKings and FanDuel have done a, a done a great job, um, in influencer marketing, you know, as, as a whole. Um, and, and, uh, I'd say SeatGeek has, has done a really good job. I know that's a, uh, that's a brand that's done everything in, in house historically, um, that they've done, they've done a really good, good job, um, with, with things as, as well. And I think the, the, the commonality associated with all those brands is they're, they're very, they're very comfortable in terms of trying new things mm-hmm. and doing things a bit differently. And, and part of doing things differently in the influencer world is being willing to let go. Right. So it's like a teaching a child to ride a bike. Like at some point before the kid's going to learn, learn how to ride, you, the, the parent has to actually let go of the bike. And I think there's power in letting creators kind of do their thing, even if it makes you as a marketer a bit uncomfortable. And, and I think that's, that's where I, I continue to see brands who are willing to, to be bold along those lines. I think that's where they thrive. That's a great lesson to close on. So thanks for that, Prad. And I'm particularly interested and probably will go away and research a little bit more about Fiverr because um, I've been using Fiverr, or I did use Fiverr maybe around a decade ago. I stopped using it because it got very spammy. The quality was poor. But Fiverr has, particularly from what I've seen in the UK, have really gone through a rebrand and resurgence in the last few years. And so I'm curious to know how they did that. And it sounds like influencer marketing was part of that. That's definitely part of the equation for, yeah. for sure. And they, they were involved in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, uh, uh as, as, as well. I don't, I don't know how, how critical that was as a piece of it, but yeah, I think it just goes to show that they're willing to put themselves out there and continue to try different things. Brad, it's been a pleasure to talk to you about this topic today. If people want to find out more about you and the Outlaw group, where can they find you? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Been been a great conversation. Really enjoyed it myself. Um, anyone who's listening who wants to, to learn more about um, influencer marketing, please you know check out our website outloudgroup.com. Um, certainly, you can you can shoot me an email just at brad at outloudgroup.com as 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 well. I think that's probably the, the best and easiest way to to find us and to to reach out to me directly. Everything that we've discussed today will be in the show notes. For now, Brad, thanks so much for your time. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.